Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast. We are in the week of September 18th, and I just returned a few weeks ago from a sabbatical, and I it was profound. It was really profound, and so I want to unpack here today and, and maybe next week with Alan some of the lessons learned from that. I'm excited to be back, excited to share with you the things that God is doing and the things he's teaching teaching us. I also want to just give a big, big, big thank you to everybody that is supporting us. Uh, we are we are so grateful. We're a we're a crowdfunded nonprofit. And right. just about everything we do all around the world is because of the generosity of our listeners and supporters. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. And just a reminder that, um, yeah, we live we live according to your help. We live by your prayers as well. So thank you for helping us. You can give online or you can give on our app, the Wild at Heart app. Uh, really easy to do that. Yeah. And John, even in the coming weeks and months, we're going to share some testimony on our podcast from people who have reached out and just given us a voice message or a video of what this means to them as a ministry and why they support. So that's coming, but yeah, we appreciate it. And in the end of the year, the last quarter is when we actually get most of our donations. Yeah. Like 80%. Right. <laughs> so right. this is that time of year we are watching and, and waiting and, and looking for God's provision through you friends through through you all. So thanks for your huge, generous hearts. Okay, so, so excited to get into some of the things um, that I learned on my sabbatical. But first, let's take a moment, get out of the crazy, and just give everything to God. Let's just give everything to God. So we take a moment to practice benevolent attachment. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. Everything, everyone to you, God. And just take a moment to do that. Who do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? always pray for union. We always pray for oneness. God is the trunk. We are the branches, and we pray for your life, God. Fill us with your life this week. Restore, renew, strengthen me, Lord. Amen. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Good <laughs> to see you. I don't, a lot of the listeners may not know, but you took a long sabbatical for restoration for your heart this summer. You and Stacy were gone for several months and we haven't had a chance to really update. So what I'm going to ask you, what we'll talk about today, it's new to me. You haven't updated the staff yet. Right. We you haven't just even gotten processed. Back. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear yeah. like what you've been up to and, and what you learned during yeah. that time. Yeah. Yeah. So I took a sabbatical because, as you know, I was pretty severely depleted. Um, we we love our work. We absolutely love our work, but it is very costly and and it is extremely draining. 
Um, and if you don't maintain a life in God, you know, one of the really, this is one of the really surprising things about ministry. And people who are in ministry, I think, will will begin to connect and click with this, is that activity for God replaces a life in God. Wow. Mm. Okay. So let me just say that again. Doing stuff in the name of Jesus and, you know, awesome stuff, missions, social justice, prayer ministry, teaching, preaching, you know, is not the same as a life in God. But because it has so much God about it, lots of God language, right? yeah, lots of God things, for most people who are in any kind of, of ministry, spiritual leadership, this is the big danger, is that it just eats your lunch, you know? And the whole reason that you got into <laughs> right, it, right. your love of God, yes gets a backseat because things are just crazy and busy. Well, and eventually then that person becomes depleted and and is a shell of themselves. <clears throat> and then they're going through the motions. And ultimately, that's a train wreck on a soul level. I, I, yep. I think it's extremely dangerous. And I want to talk about some of that today. And how, how do we all get out of the danger of depletion, vulnerability, unhealed places, that kind of thing? Yes. Um, okay, so I also do need to qualify a little bit about what we mean by, you know, months away. Life doesn't stop. And, and yeah, we took, we took more than eight weeks away from email and technology, for the most part, away from work. But, man, I wish you could get a break from life um, in the midst of it. it. There was beauty and there was heartache. And that's just true of any human life. And it's not like you get to hit the pause button to take a sabbatical um, and the enemy just goes, oh, yeah, go get rested, go get, go get renewed, and then, we'll, then I'll let you back in the <laughs> ring. You know, there was um, family heartache and loss and then some really, really horrible stuff in our circle of our church circle of relationships and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we found ourselves sometimes in deep Sabbath rest. Yeah. And, and in other times, intervening in it just because you can't walk away from your life, right? Right. Yeah. And how did you kind of deal with that dual aspect of you are on sabbatical, it is a time of restoration, and yet, yeah, time away from work doesn't necessarily mean it's handed to you. Yeah, or that it's all fun. Right. right. So I'm going to talk about that okay. as we go into this today. So, um. Here's what I would do. I would put I would put the sabbatical under an umbrella. Um, and I found myself praying pretty early into the sabbatical. God, I need the rest of my salvation. I ask you for the rest of my salvation. And when you ask him that, what? <laughs> I've never asked God that. So I'm is I'm hearing this. Right. What is that? Yeah. What did you mean when you asked? I, I know. That? People are like, what yeah. the what the? You know, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me steer around the theological stuff for a moment. By that I mean, um, 
when you get away, when you get a little bit of quiet, you, you get out of the chaos a little bit. Um, and, and we didn't like, you know, go off to the Bahamas or go on a sailing cruise. We mostly just did a staycation or we went up to our cabin in the mountains. It was very quiet. It was very simple. Yeah. Taking walks, chucking the ball to the dogs and loads and loads and loads of prayer. I, I needed God. I knew I, I needed God very deeply. Yeah, profoundly depleted. But pretty quickly, <laughs> if you get, this is why people, by the way, this is why people do not spend time in solitude. So the ancient spiritual practice of solitude and silence, yeah. most people run from it because you get 10 minutes and suddenly all your stuff shows up. Mm. <laughs> all the inner chatter yeah. gets really loud, which you've been suppressing with television and your Instagram and people and work and da 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 da, da. Okay. So what I mean by that is I got about four days into my sabbatical and I was just aware of, oh, I don't just need my tanks refilled. Because I can blow through those again in two months, right? Like, yeah. yeah, anybody can go get their tanks refilled and then you just, you know, shoot it all in a crisis, right? I was very aware what I need is, is a deeper life in God. What I need is more wholeness. I need more wholeness. And in, in two ways, and I want to unpack these two ways in this podcast. There, I mean, there is a ton to share from the sabbatical and maybe we'll get to some of the other things but um but the two things fit under this idea of oh lord i just need the rest of my salvation in other words there are unconverted places in me i am not yet fully yours okay. and those places feel very vulnerable vulnerable not just to fatigue, but vulnerable to temptation, vulnerable to ooh, relational blow-ups, just all that stuff you don't want to happen in ministry. Okay, so I, I just started praying for the rest of my salvation because I was aware of these unconverted places in me. And the first category I want to talk about um, it, it's just the yeah, the self-life, the self-life. And I, <laughs> this is such a funny story because it illustrates the self-life. Several years ago, many years ago, some very, very kind individual sent me a book here uh, at the outpost with a note saying, hey, John, I know you face a lot of spiritual warfare there. You guys talk about it from time to time. Thought you'd find this helpful. And it's this little like 1950s, you know, almost a leaflet. It, okay. It's a little booklet. And I did, and it had like old cartoon drawings and stuff in it. And I just looked at it and went, it's just so arrogant. I just, I just tossed it, you know, and went, thank you, but I know all that. Anyway, it was months later that Jesus said, you need to pick that up and read that. And so I opened it up and the basic premise of the book was the self-life, the unconverted parts of us, the self-life is what gives the enemy access in your life. And I just went, whoa, this is more significant than I thought. And, and what I mean is this. So the, 
the self-life is so freaking sneaky most of the time. I'm not talking about adultery and murder and embezzling from the ministry and flagrant stuff, okay? I'm not going to Las Vegas and blowing the ministry's, you know, reserves (laughs) and gambling. (laughs) That's not the self-life primarily. The self-life is the part of you that insists on your way. And so if you get cut off in traffic, or somebody sneaks into line in front of you, you know, at the store, or all of those yeah. little moments of sort of social injustice, right? Your your self life shows up pretty quick. But that's probably pretty hard to notice because for you, if it's your self life, it just feels like the well, way things let work. Me, let me let me help let me help expose this. <laughs> so, okay, I don't think he listens to this podcast yet. We have a new neighbor. Uh, and this lovely, lovely, dear Christian woman who who's lived next to us for years and years and years, um, single, uh, older Christian woman, moved away. And we missed her. She was a very dear saint. Um, and new neighbors are in. Well, we, we just had no idea how quiet our back porch was until the new neighbors moved in. <laughs> and so now this guy is out there at night using an air compressor. And I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Is he washing his car, or or maybe he's painting his house? Just bought his house, you know. I don't know what's going on over there. But you know, uh, and and, yeah. and we're out in the porch in the evening, and it's actually like our prayer and worship time. <laughs> okay, so this is the self life. I am literally in a time of worship, and in a moment, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Right? Right. And I start walking down the walkway and stage. He goes, no, 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 honey, not tonight. Not tonight. Like, we haven't even said hello yet. We haven't met him yet. I was going to go over there and tell him to turn off his air compressor. (laughs) That would have gone well. That's the self-life. Yeah. Right? Like, in a moment, that thing gets triggered in us, which is such an unconverted place in us. And so the self-life is the part of you that takes offense Mm -hmm. at things. Um, So when you find yourself getting offended, whoop. There's the self-life. You're like, whoa, wait a second. Why? What's that all about? Or holds grudges or, yeah, resentments. But but it, it can have a sanctified version of it. Like the self-life attends church with you. <laughs> yeah. It's just that the self-life gets a little ticked if the sermon runs too long, <laughs> right? right? It's that. Right. Or the self-life goes to a small group with you. And then waits and waits for people to pay attention to you and ask you for your story. Yeah. Okay. Are you identifying yeah, with this? Totally. Okay. All right. Okay. So here's what happened. I I was very, very intentional about the sabbatical because I knew I'm like, well, I need a rescue. I need God. And I need more of me attached to God and God in more of me. Okay, so what began to present itself, you know, I'm, I'm taking these walks, you know, partly just for nature, just letting nature do its healing thing, but also to pray. Yeah. And then these, whoop, these little things would like pop up of like, why didn't that person answer, answer my text? Like, what's with that? And, and then like, gosh, I, so-and-so never said thank you for that, that gift that we sent them. 
You, you see this? Yeah. Yeah. And so there was yeah. this. Now, the thing is, you can't just shut this down immediately because your soul is expressing disappointment, heartache. It is expressing offense. But, whoa, the self-life gets in there and it's resentment and, and judgment and I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. There was a lot of that. I'm just going to take my ball and go home. Hmm. Okay. So the self-life starts presenting itself. And this is where I went, oh, Jesus, dear God in heaven. I, I pray for the rest of my salvation. I, this, I can't be walking around with huge parts of my inner life unconverted. And when you say the rest of your salvation, your salvation isn't, I mean, just to clarify <laughs> yeah, what you're I saying, know, I know. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we believe in the security of the believer. We believe that when you give your life to God, it's done and done, a sealed deal. And you don't need to email us on this or send in a comment and get into a theological debate. But, you know, no one can snatch you out of my hand, the scripture says. Yeah. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. I mean, you're in, you're in. You're safe, you're good. But once you are in, accepting Christ, coming to Christ, giving your life to him, either at, you know, four years old at vacation Bible school or 16 at youth group or 20 in college, you know, at 48, <clears throat> you know, over coffee with a friend, that is the wardrobe door, to use a Narnia illustration. That, the, the moment of conversion, of coming home to God, is the wardrobe door. It lets you into an entire kingdom. It lets you into Narnia. It lets you into the wonders of God and his entire realm, okay? But there is a lot in us that is yet to be recovered, um, delivered, to be honest, set free from the kingdom of darkness and healed and restored and made holy mm. in God, okay? okay? So I think salvation is both. Most theologians do. You know, they didn't, like, yes, there's the wardrobe door. Everybody needs that. But then you need a lot more than that. And God's intention, yeah, George MacDonald has this beautiful passage on this, the old Scottish uh, pastor and poet and writer. He said the the view of salvation is merely forgiveness. You're forgiven, you're in. He, he calls it a mean, low view of salvation because God's just going to leave you in the same condition so that for the rest of your life, you just continue to be bitter, hurt, anxious, fearful, raging, resentful. Like that's yeah. misery. Yes. Yeah. The fullness of God's salvation in the scripture is that the totality of our being comes into a genuine wholeness, union, and holiness with God. Okay? Good. So one of my favorite passages, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's wrapping up that book. And he prays this. He says, and now I pray that the God of peace himself would sanctify you through and through that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be kept blameless for the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
And I just go, oh, please, 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 please. Now, let me add another piece into this, because as I was experiencing these unconverted places showing up, I was aware, not just my own, like, I don't want that. I don't want that, God. But I was also very aware of, oh, this is what gives the enemy access in my life. Mm. It's these places. The unconverted places in me are his trump card. That's his, that's his access point, right? And so back to that little yes. book about the, it's the self-life because the enemy is like the ultimate self-life. Like he gave the finger to God and, right. and said, no way, man, I want the kingdom. And he waged war against heaven. He loses. He gets cast to the earth, wages war against the human race. And in this moment on the earth, we've talked about this a lot. Um, we've characterized the culture of the age as the offended self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the culture of the offended self. And, and it's just this unbridled self-life now that just gets offended at everything. And so you can't say anything online that's even remotely right. provocative, right? right? Or expressing an opinion. People just, they just jump on it because they feel entitled to. Right. Yeah, it's the exalted self. So, John, on this whole pursuit of exposing the self-life, when you prayed to God at, at the beginning of the sabbatical, did you feel like when things would rise up, that was God's way of showing mm-hmm. he was actively mm-hmm. allowing you to see mm-hmm. what maybe in the busyness of a normal day yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. exposed? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, by the way, the other thing that... <laughs> The sabbatical showed me the world is distraction and sedation. Hmm. It just keeps everybody distracted. Hey, woo, look at this. Hey, woo, look at this. Hey, you got a text, you got a boom, you got that kind of thing, and you know, right? And work and, da-da-da, and the kids and music and soccer. It just keeps you distracted so that you do not attend to God and the condition of your soul. And then your soul's pretty agitated in this world, right? And it's just amazing. I'm I'm back to work for one day and I go home and eat a bunch of cookies. Mm. And I'm like, I'm I'm like, what is the comfort I'm looking for? The world's just distraction and sedation. Just keep keep people spun and then numb them through sedation. So you get away from that and these things start, start coming up in me. And I'm just aware of these unconverted places. Um, and, and even God God would do this very lovingly. Like I thought, okay, so you think sabbatical, woohoo, you know, eight weeks of vacation. No, it's not like that. N- not intentionally. Um, I'd, I'd be like, okay, there's this really awesome fly fishing lodge in Idaho I want to go to. And and the father would go, uh-uh, wow. stay here with me. Hmm. And there'd just be that, that little bit of, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the self-life too. The part of you that goes, wah, that's the self-life. So what I wanted to point out as well is I was, I was seeing this, Alan. I was seeing it in ministry. I was seeing how much, ugh, like it hit, it, it was already operating in me in, in ministry. Like I could just see it more clearly when you get away. Okay. Get get quiet. Get out of the sed the sedation and distraction. 
And I was so aware of, oh my gosh, this is what gives the enemy access in my life. <clears throat> and so let me tell an illustration of that. So there was a there was a missionary couple that years ago, Stace and I were counseling. And as you know, it was it was burnout, it was where is God, you know, it, it was it was heartache. But as we got into their story, she she kept kind of really presenting as kind of like the major issue in in the story. She had a lot of resentment toward a lot of people. And it, it, you know, every time it came up, it was fully grounded and warranted right. and justified. Right. But, but there is this resentment there that we couldn't get to because she would not surrender the self-life mm -hmm. to God. She wished, like there was just this little bit, the clenched fist yeah. the, in, within. Right. And the thing is, it's tangled up in, yes, there was harm. Yes, there was betrayal. Yes, but there was this, um, I'm going to hold on to this resentment because I'm justified to it until I get the apologies that I'm deserved, you know, yes, that I right, deserve. Right. Okay, here's the problem, is that the enemy was all over that. So this is the unconverted place and therefore unprotected because it's outside of Christ. It's just operating fully independently of Christ. Foul spirits egging her on, pouring gasoline on the fire, stoking all that, it, it ended up blowing up their ministry and a lot of collateral damage around that. And for all I know, she's still holding on to the resentment and feeling oh, wow. totally just, like even when the ministry blew up, yeah. there was a sense of, I told you, see, I've been right all along. Right. And yeah. it, okay. That's really dangerous. Like, because you're vulnerable to the enemy's assaults because this is this is an unprotected place it's not in union with god yeah and, and you can see it so much easier like we we're saying in other people when you're hearing that story or observing it or yeah. the this you know person next to that person <laughs> watching it um, yes. i got convicted of that at a restaurant a few weeks ago for my own way of, of doing the self-life. We had a family dinner, really nice place, and we ordered an appetizer. And then we ordered the entree a few minutes later. Well, the, the waiter brings out the appetizer and the entree at the same time. And my daughter, who's 20, she's in college, she was home and, and she was watching my face and he walks off and she's like, dad, don't, don't. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we ordered this early, we paid for it, and I don't want to eat it with my main entree, so I'm going to have him either take it off the bill or take it back. Or, And he's like, Dad, no, just, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Well, it I didn't say anything just because I knew with her that, you know, that would really hurt her feelings and heart if I did. And she was totally right, but it took me about 20 minutes into the meal to feel okay because I am right. This is like, this isn't right. And this isn't just, and, and it messed up our meal. And the reality was it didn't really mess up the meal for anybody, but me and my entitled feeling of how it should have gone. And yeah, it took me 
a good, probably about a half of the mill to let that go. But if she hadn't been there and kind of caught me in that, yes, I, I would have yes. blown it up. I would have, yep. uh, you know, the waiter would have been frustrated. I would have been irritated and it would have derailed the whole dinner Yes, because of a self expectation of how yeah. things are supposed to go. Yes. Yes. Okay. Bingo. So that's the self life in a very, very simple scenario. Yeah. Now, Take the exact same thing, and it is, I told you not to invite your uncle to Christmas. He drinks too much. He said totally offensive things to my daughter. I'm furious. We're done. And it ends up blowing up like a family structure. Right. Right? Right. Or you put that same thing into a ministry setting, and yeah, somebody's kid, you know, maybe there's something that, you know, happens in youth group, and there's, you know— some teasing or some provocation or something and there's tears and and the and the the self life and the parent just ram presents itself and it'll blow up a whole church right this is the kind of thing that destroys ministries yes. it's yeah. the unconverted parts of us that desperately need Christ and so yeah i'm seeing all this show up in me and and thank you god like thank you i i because the thing is, it's twofold. Not only do I not want to be that person, I want all of me converted. Mm. I want the rest of my salvation, but also that I, I'm just too vulnerable. Like, are you kidding me? Ministry leader, you know, like that. there's a lot coming at me that the enemy would love to hold bitterness against this person or say that offensive thing or stand your ground and send the appetizers back, you know, right. in a larger ministry setting type thing. Yeah. So I'm just praying now. So this wasn't just a sabbatical prayer. This is now like daily, you know, God, I need the rest of my salvation. And there's a second half to this or a second part to this, which we'll get to next week, which is on unhealed places within us, which is different. Okay. That's not the same thing. Sin and brokenness are not the same thing. And you cannot heal your way out of sin and you cannot repent your way out of brokenness. They're different things. Okay. So we're going to get to that. Yep. But in the meantime, I want to talk about what do we do with the self-life. Okay. Yes. So what I, what I found myself doing every time one of these things would present itself, why didn't they say thank you? Why didn't they ask me what I thought about that? Why didn't they even involve me in that decision? They just completely ignored, you know, all this stuff. Uh -huh. Why Why is my neighbor running his air compressor at 8 o'clock at night, you know? When this stuff presents itself immediately in that moment, I, you know, obviously the first thing I'm praying is, oh, Jesus, forgive me. I see it. Yep, yep. Like, don't run, don't hide. And don't, don't excuse it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Don't make excuses. Just go, okay, Lord, here it is. You and I both see this right now. I, I, I ask for salvation here. Save me here. I, I need salvation in this part of me. And, and then, this is what I think is really key every day, I, I surrender the self-life every day. 
I surrender the self-life. And when I'm headed into something like a family reunion or a big, yeah, Christian conference or what, you know, it's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, I cannot walk into this with a whole bunch of the self-life just driving the bus. I surrender the self-life here, now, in this. But what I what I felt him inviting me more to, because this this has been one of the, you know, there are volumes written in every denomination and Catholic and Protestant and Orthodox, like volumes written on what do you do with the self-life? Because yeah, this has plagued everybody, you know, from the, from the fall of Adam and Eve. He's asking Jesus, what, what is the, what is the, what do I do with this right now? In the moment, what do I do? And he said, I want you to surrender all self and selfhood to me. Mm. All self and selfhood. Because there's a good version of the self, right? Like, yes, you're supposed to have an identity as a beloved son and daughter. You have desires that are important and that often reveal your calling. You, yes, you have a personality. You have likes and dislikes. All that stuff's okay. That's not all sin, but it's all so tangled up right now. Part of it's converted, part of it's not, you know, kind of thing. He just said, just bring it all into me. And what's the difference between self and selfhood? Yeah. So for me, those words describe self being the self-life. Okay. The offended, the exalted self, the entitled self. What do you mean I can't go fishing? I'm going to go fishing. What do you mean I can't say that? What do you mean I can't send back these appetizers? Hell yes, I am. (laughs) Right? Right. Okay. Right. That's the self-life. Yeah. Selfhood is that part that actually is God created a a beloved son and daughter that often needs a lot of affirmation of selfhood. So do you see how like tangled it can get? Yeah. Yeah. Like this poor gal who, you know, this missionary couple, like there was a lot of pain that was totally legitimate now. And there was a cry of her soul that was totally legitimate. That is her selfhood needing care. Yeah. Going to get to that next week. But you've got to surrender all of it to God. Like, just let's get everything into Jesus and let him sort it out. Well, and is it true that, like, sometimes the very area of self that's being exposed, there's some part of you that has a God-given strength in that. Mm-hmm like a desire for justice. Yep. Well, that can be a really good thing yep. if it's healed, right? Or if it's under his authority. Yes. But if it's justice in that I don't want the appetizer with the entree and I demand justice, yep. it's warped and it's fallen, it seems like. Well, because if I do this, it's going to blow up the evening for my family. Right. Or, or or if it's just going to embarrass my daughter and I'm not going to do that. Right. Right? Okay. So that's why... The soul is healed through union with God. The soul is healed through mm. union with God. Man, you could just put that on a bumper sticker. Put it on your bathroom mirror. The soul is healed through union with God. And so whatever it is that is presenting itself in your life, you've got to get that into union with Christ. And, and so I surrender all self and selfhood to you, Jesus. And I ask you for salvation 
here, which is salvation is union with Christ so that his life is now permeating yours like yeast leavens dough, right? It just works its way through the whole system. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So that's salvation. Salvation is Mm. to, is to be saturated with Jesus, his character, his love, his joy, his patience. Yes, his justice, you bet, but in him. And so mm. I'm walking, I'm praying, these things are coming up over, over this period, uh, over a couple months, and, and I'm just asking for the rest of my salvation, and this stuff is presenting. I just The first thing I have to do is say, okay, Jesus, I see this. I love you right here in this. And I tell you what, man, that'll kill, that'll kill the self-life real quick. Because <laughs> you walk into the center of that offense and you say, I love you here. It's like, woo. <laughs> like the offense can't wow. abide the presence of God. And, and so I surrender moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day. All self and selfhood to you, God. This is what I need to do because I need the rest of my salvation. I don't want these, yeah, these just, I don't want that life and I don't want the vulnerability of the unconverted places. So what would you say to the person, you know, I'm thinking of you, the listener, and if you're talking to them and they say, well, I'm not really sure where I'm living the self-life completely and I don't have a sabbatical and I am in the matrix and I, my life is busy and noisy and overfull and I'm exhausted at the end of the day. What is the best starting point for somebody in that situation where they can't get away mm-hmm. to silence mm-hmm. or solitude necessarily? Yeah. Look for offense. I bet it's presenting itself every day. Look for cynicism, criticism, judgment, Look for resentment or look for that part of you that just simply gets pissed when your plans get interrupted, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're looking forward to a weekend away and then somebody calls and says, hey, you actually need to cover this shift. We need you into work. We need you to work late tonight. Yeah. That that part okay. of you yeah. that goes, you know. <laughs> I know. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're <laughs> Something you... Yeah. Um, right. Just you'll see it, man. Are you kidding me? Like the Holy Spirit wants to show you this, and and let's all join. Let's all join in this prayer. Like this is a huge prayer. Let's all join in this. Jesus, I, I need the rest of my salvation. God, please, please, I pray and ask you the rest of my salvation in all of the unconverted places in me.